Welcome to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett McGarry. Normally, we'd have already begun our fall television preview, but there really hasn't been a lot of television to preview. But there are some big shows making their debuts and returns this week. We are excited. I'm Jeff Braun. There are also a lot of little movies playing in theaters. I'll tell you about one called The Last Shift. I also want to offer a second take on a show Jeff told you to ignore. But first, Borat is back, baby. Sasha Baron Cohen has made a sequel as his alter ego, Borat, and it arrives on Prime Video in just a few weeks. Fourteen years ago, I released a movie film which brought great shame to Kazakhstan. But now I was instructed to return to Yankee Land to carry out secret mission. I go to America! What do you say? No, it's not me. People may recognize my face. I would need disguises. This man is a sex criminal? No, no sex criminal. I will take this to be a fat like American man. Yeah, this is a good one. <laughs> Where is his crumb? Now, I'm sure we'll all just call it Borat 2, but the full title is Borat Subsequent Movie Film Delivery of Prodigious Bribe to American Regime for Make Benefit Once Glorious Nation of Kazakhstan. Part of the fun of the first movie, of course, was that he was pulling the wool over everyone's eyes. They assumed Borat was a real person, not just a character. The jig is up to some degree, as we heard in that first clip. A lot of people recognize him now, but hey, he might have to dig a little deeper, but he's still going to manage to find at least a few people who take him seriously. What is problem, officer? Got somebody that's strapped to the top of your car. He's in that passenger seat, boss. Only men and bears are allowed inside car. I'm here to give my daughter as a gift to someone close to the throne. I need dress with real sexy peels. Uh, this is a bag that just goes mm, over the dress. Very nice. I really like this. So his daughter is along for the ride this time, strapped to the roof of his car. And it seems like Borat's plan is to offer her to a White House official. The trailer has a lot of very funny things in it that we don't dare mention on the air. And the most exciting thing is the movie comes out in three weeks on Amazon Prime Video. That surprised me this week. I had heard recently that Cohen had secretly made another Borat movie and it was finished, but I wasn't expecting it to drop on Prime Video this month. So that's something to really look forward to. Borat 2 on October 23rd. And while the risk of coronavirus remains low, as the president said yesterday, we're ready for anything. Michael Penis, I brought the girl for you. Borat's subsequent movie film. <laughs> well, are you ready for another Borat, Brett? I had no idea this was coming. I had no clue. I think you tweeted about it this morning, and I thought, Borat, too? It, this month on Prime? Yes, yeah. I am ready for more Borat. Because it's been, wow, it's been like 15 years, right? That first one came out, what did you say, 20, 2006? Yeah, he, he said it was, in the clip he says it's been 14 years. 14, so, yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> it's a long time. I never thought that I would need a sequel for Borat. I mean, how could you do a sequel to, to Borat? And even when he did his Bruno movie, it just felt like a, a lesser version. It, it, it felt like one of those yeah. things where the, he can only pull this off once, and after that it would lose 
all of its impact. But this does look fun, and I think the timing is certainly right, uh, just ahead of the election. And uh, I don't know. I always had, uh, of all of his characters, I think Borat was always my favorite. Ali G was the first one that I think I was introduced to, and that maybe, well, that was, I think, his, his main character until Borat sort of took off. But I never really cared for the Ali G character. And Bruno was cool, too, but there's just something almost innocent yet disgusting about Borat. He's such yeah. a strange contrast, right? Like he, 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 he's well-meaning, but he's, he's a horrible, horrible guy because he come, purports to come from such a backwards place. Yeah, and it's just his wide-eyed naivete as to how things work at America. That just that's half the humor right there. I remember my friends and uh, me watching this on DVD. Like we might have watched it like twice in a row in one night, and we just howling with laughter the whole time. Uh, Very few movies have made me laugh as much as Borat one did. And I actually rewatched it maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, and I still had a lot of laughs out of it. It's not something. That it gets old if you watch it too much, which is why I think you know, fourteen years later, it's you know not the sequel anyone was asking for, but so much time has passed that I think it's ready to be funny again. And I imagine we're going to start hearing a lot of people talking like Borat again. Our our colleague Christian uh, does a very good Borat impression, which he still does regularly, anyways. But this is only going to you know bump that up a bit around right around the country i would think i'm looking forward to it you know what it's funny that you mentioned that because in the last couple of years i've noticed borat speak sort of just quietly sneaking its way back yeah. into the lexicon people saying <laughs> things like my wife my wife and uh, is nice yes very nice very nice because I, I so many of us including me guilty as charged were oh, yeah. doing borat speak to the point where no one wanted to ever hear anyone speak like borat again it was <laughs> the same as the the budweiser thing what's up Right. Yeah. Everyone, everyone was doing it. And then we wanted it to go far, far away and not hear about it again for years. And now it's kind of cool again to hear it. So you're right. We are going to hear all sorts of people saying things like, yeah, shamash and whatever. Wow, wow, we wah. That's right. <laughs> but I'm looking forward to this and I can't believe that it's coming out in just three weeks, October 23rd. Up next, we'll tell you what's coming to your TV this weekend and a couple of big ones next week. You are listening to the Couch Potatoes. I'm Brett, he's Jeff, we are the Couch Potatoes. want to talk about what is coming to your television this weekend and next week because this is typically where all of the new and returning shows hit your TV. It's been kind of quiet on that front, but Global is unveiling a couple of big shows next week. Very excited to tell you about them. First on Tuesday, AI goes haywire on a show called Next. Two weeks ago, I noticed something strange. I'm almost positive this is not a person. It is not happy that I found it. Dr. Bernard Wise was killed in a series of cyber attacks. He noticed this code. I wrote this code. Artificial intelligence. I know. Makes you think about sci-fi and robots with red eyes. Forget all that crap. It's the kind that thinks like an actual person. I am your friend, right? Yeah. Who are you talking to? Eliza? She's asking me stuff. No, Eliza doesn't ask questions. She just answers them. Described as follows. From creator and executive producer Manny Koto, who is behind 24 Legacy, and executive producers and directors John Requa and Glenn Ficara from This Is Us, 
Next is a propulsive, fact-based thriller about the emergence of a deadly, rogue artificial intelligence that combines pulse-pounding action with layered examination of how technology is invading our lives and transforming us in ways we don't yet understand. The main star is John Slattery, and I think it looks pretty fun. I think my company had something to do with your friend's death. We were developing human-level AI until I killed it. I'm here to see my brother. You're not supposed to be in the building. He thinks your program is responsible for the deaths of three people. You've never been more wrong. Hello, Paul LeBlanc. I'm next. How can I help you? Okay, so the first thing about that description, which was the official description, by the way, that I pulled right off of Global's website, and I love how it's described as a fact-based thriller. Uh, that seems like a red flag to me. Anytime a show has to say, no, really, this is based on facts. This is real. It could, it could really happen. Yeah. <laughs> so I think that's uh, the first thing. I mean, then the second I, I, this red flag is that Fox is the parent network. I do think we need to be careful about AI, though. So it sounds like something that would give me anxiety watching this show. It does. I love John Slatterly, though. But, I mean, I, I get I feel bad in real life when I don't say please and thank you to my phone when I ask it to tell me the weather and stuff. So I don't know that I can handle this sort of a thing, Brett. You say please and thank you to Siri? Yep. Yes, I do. What happens when you don't? <laughs> I feel guilty. Does she tell you to go I away? Not, I, I say sorry. I'm <laughs> just kidding. No, and then like you can swear at it, and it gives you like a, huh, I don't know how to respond to that, but I, then, then you feel real bad. So I don't know. I don't know if... Computers that think like humans, probably not a smart idea. Does Siri ever wake up and say hello when you say sorry? Like, is Because sorry sounds kind of like Siri? No, but it has been uh, when I've been doing newscasts on the air and said uh, the word, I don't want her to hear, S-E-R-I-O-U-S yeah. in a news story, then it, it'll, it'll sometimes chime in while I'm on the air and go ding dong. Oh, no. <laughs> so that's happened. So that's a word that gets uh, altered in my scripts or I leave my phone outside. <laughs> Jeez. Okay. I've got an Android, so I don't have these uh, Siri problems. But uh, so next, that's on Tuesday on Global. And then another cool show, this one I'm really pumped about, debuts on Thursday, October 8th. We told you about this a few months back because it had already been shot and actually aired in Europe already. It's a Canadian-British co-production called Departure, and it stars Canadian legend Christopher Plummer. Over 100,000 commercial flights leave airports every day. Most of them arrive safely. What was that? 716 is an answering. answering. There's been an incident. 950 has disappeared over the Atlantic. If there are survivors on the open water, six hours is all they will have. Let's find this plane. Kind of fitting that this show is about planes and international travel because Departure was commissioned by Global. This show's got its footprints all over the globe. It was commissioned by Global while NBC Universal bought the drama series to air in the UK, Germany, France, Spain, Poland, and Africa. It aired in the UK last summer, and now we are finally getting it on Global. You're saying... Somebody on board wanted that aircraft to disappear. Why did you leak this? 
Terrorism is the public's worst fear. You want to start a bloody war? Assad. Pleasure to meet you both. People went to great lengths to cover up. Aviation is the only industry where a man with a box cutter could put a halt on billions in revenue. Bartok. Made millions off Flight 716 going down. Loyalties can change, Harry. I screwed up. They're after me. Who's after me? We can't rule out any possibility at this time. Fasten your seatbelt. It's going to be a bumpy ride down. So this is a six-part series that follows the investigation into the shocking disappearance of a passenger plane over the Atlantic. As mentioned, it stars Christopher Plummer, as well as Archie Punjabi, and a whole bunch of I-know-that-person actors that you've seen in movies and TV shows all over the place. I think this looks great, so my PVR is already set for that. That's on Thursday, October 8th, and that day, actually, Jeff, is a big day on my television because one of my favorites, maybe my favorite show ever... When I really think about it in terms of the, the first show that I watch when I get home and this has been recorded, Supernatural! I just watched a whole planet burn alive. God, he'll be back soon. It could be today, could be tomorrow, but when he comes, there won't be a moment to waste. What else is there? I'm supposed to kill God. But I need to complete a final ritual. That's why we're here. I control space and time. They think they can kill me? My entire life, you get it safe. It's you and me. Our last chance, our one shot. You're shouldering a great burden. We don't have a choice. The whole mission is saving the world. This is where it ends. At last, season 15 finally gets to come to an end with its last few episodes. It was interrupted by COVID in the spring, and they had to press pause to finish production and post-production. And now we've got those episodes, and they're rolling them out starting on Thursday, October 8th on The CW. And uh, I love Supernatural, so I can't wait to get on with this. Just also want to quickly mention a couple of things coming to Netflix this weekend. There's something called A Go-Go Corey Carson Halloween. This is a Netflix family thing, Halloween installment of the animated series about a cute talking car who was not owned by Pixar. There's a, an Italian horror film called The Binding about a young woman who must face the ultimate terror, meeting her future mother-in-law, and then while she's there, fighting an ancient curse that threatens to kill her daughter. So, uh, yep. There's uh, Emily in Paris. This is from Darren Starr, who has made shows about beautiful people with unlimited clothing budgets like Melrose Place and Sex in the City. This is about a fish out of water who ensues. Uh, she, it's a naive American woman played by Lily Collins, who lands a job at a marketing firm in Paris. Uh, there's a song called, or a movie, show, there we go, movie, song, show. In each, I had to get the <laughs> format down. It's called Song Exploder. In each episode Boom. of this show, famous music professional like Alicia Keys and Lin-Manuel Miranda and Ty Dolla Sign, they appear to take an intense, in-depth look at the creation of one of their songs. And apparently this is based on a podcast um, by uh, Hirschkesh Herway, who also hosts the television version. And then uh, Vampires versus the Bronx. And I love the way McLean's has described this. Perhaps surprisingly, in light of the title, this film is about people in the Bronx who have to fight vampires. 
So that could be fun. And then uh, on October 4th, David Attenborough, A Life on Our Planet. So this is a 90-minute documentary that looks at how the broadcaster historian looks at how the Earth has changed in the 94 years he's been living on it and what needs to be done to keep it going after he's gone. So that's going to be cool. You're going to watch that? I think I'm more into vampires versus the Bronx, Brett. Yeah. <laughs> I just got to... You gotta gotta see who wins that tilt. Doesn't look good for the Bronx, I can't imagine. I'm also into anything that a uh, Ty Dolla Sign does, so I want to watch the Song Exploder as well. <laughs> I That's do. a joke. I've never heard of that guy. <laughs> oh, yeah, I do like some of his tunes. Should also mention quickly: Saturday Night Live is back this weekend. Chris Rock is hosting. Jim Carrey has signed on to play Joe Biden through the season, and Maya Rudolph is back as uh, Senator Kamala Harris. So that should be a good time. Jim Carrey as Joe Biden. What do you think of that? Ah, that could be good. Jim Carrey's uh, very good at impressions, so I think he'll be able to nail that pretty easily. I'm excited to see Chris Rock hosting it, too, of course. That's where we first met Chris Rock was when he was on the cast of Saturday Night Live. Yeah, that's right. So that's going to be a big show this weekend on Global. Uh, Alec Baldwin, of course, is back as Donald Trump. Up next, no big movies to tell you about in theaters, but as Jeff has discovered, there are a lot of little New movies that you can check out. So we'll give you those details right away. You're listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff. He's Brett. And there haven't been any big new movies open in theaters in the last few weeks. Not really since Tenet. But there are several small independent movies playing. And I saw one this week. Richard Jenkins stars in a movie called The Last Shift. New Monday's my last shift. 38 years to the day. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do without you, Stanley. Well, what do you know about this replacement of yours? Uh, except his name's Javon. Javon. What kind of name is that? You got any fast food experience? Just eating it. You know, I, I just don't think he's a good fit here. Javon, it's your responsibility and it's your job to train him. There's an art to the third shift. You got to do a little bit of everything. Improvise. A big part of working here is teamwork. Teamwork? What are we, crocodile in tubs? That's game, baby. You know, my life was a whole lot easier before I met you. I worked my butt off, and you just float through life. You honestly think that this whole freeloading universe is out to get you? You're stuck in here, same as me. You know, the whole thing reeks of a failing autocracy. Yeah, I know. Richard Jenkins is a Hall of Fame that guy, although I think at this point he's been around long enough that a lot of people know his name. I rank him alongside J.K. Simmons and James Rebhorn on the that guy scale. J.K. Simmons will always be number one, and of course he's now an Oscar winner and has been in a lot of big movies over the years. People know his name. James Rebhorn might not have achieved that high status in his life, but his body of work is unparalleled. He's my favorite that guy, and Richard Jenkins is definitely up there. He's a very good actor. You've seen him in a wide variety of movies like The Shape of Water, Burn After Reading, Jack Reacher, Eat, Pray, Love, and Step Brothers, where he played the father. He also played the father in the HBO series Six Feet Under. In The Last Shift, he plays Stan, an aging fast food restaurant worker on the brink of retirement. He has worked the overnight shift at Oscar's Chicken and Fish in Albion, Michigan, for 38 years. And while most of us wouldn't look at that as a career to really brag about, Stan is very proud of it. He always uses phrases like, I wouldn't be where I am today without this job, and 
I wouldn't have what I have today without Oscars. But the truth is, he's nowhere and has nothing. He lives in a rooming house and has a few meager possessions, maybe even just a knapsack. But now he is retiring. His plan is to move to Florida to take care of his mother. He needs to buy a car first, though. He also needs to learn how to drive in a very funny scene. And before he can retire, he has to train his replacement. Enter Javon, played by Shane Paul Maggie. He's a young black actor who was on the Netflix show Unbelievable. I'd not seen that, and this was my first time seeing Maggie in anything. And I only mention his race because race does play a, po- a role in their relationship at times throughout the movie. Javon's background is that he's a young father, a high school dropout, just like Stan, who has also done a bit of time and is now on parole and needs a job. Unlike Stan, Javon fails to see the reverence of working overnights at a fast food restaurant. But he is willing to give it... 60% to get his life back on track. We can see from the get-go that he's basically a good kid who has screwed up a little, but not so badly he can't get back on track if he really wants to. Before he got in trouble, he was writing for the high school newspaper and had some early aspirations to write professionally. But for now, making burgers in the middle of the night will have to do. And the movie is really the dichotomy of these two characters working side-by-side side through the night. Stan representing a, a wasted life that could have been more if he had got his act together earlier on. And Javon, who rightfully takes Stan's life as a warning as to what could happen if he does not clean up his act. You feel bad for Stan a lot of the time, but not all the time. He's no saint, and you also wonder if maybe he's undiagnosed with something and should maybe have gotten more help earlier on in his life. Plus, it really does seem like the world is just piling on him at times. It's a very interesting tightrope that he's walking in that regard, and Richard Jenkins is one of a few actors who can really pull it off. The character has a lot of layers, a lot of unspoken things happening inside and Jenkins wears it all on his face. The physical performance is impressive, just the way Stan is kind of hunched over and has a limp. Just crossing a room looks like he's trying to swim against the current, so like the universe is trying to hold him back. The movie also has some moments of levity and joy. It's not just a bummer like it might sound. Um, Ed O'Neill is in it as Stan's friend, also on the brink of being homeless by the looks of it. They're friends from when they were kids, and I found that kind of heartwarming to know that even though these guys have had a rough go of it through their lives, they've always had a friend to lean on. Like I said, it's a small, independent movie, but it offers a couple of interesting perspectives. It's always interesting to see different lives portrayed on screen that we might not see in great detail in our own lives. And if we're looking for silver linings, it's also nice to see some of these independent movies maybe get more theater time and attention than they normally would if all the blockbusters were out. So I do recommend The Last Shift. I'll give it three and a half couch cushions out of five, Brett. And there's a couple other movies I wanted to tell you guys about. So, you know, while these blockbusters are still grounded for the time being, the theaters are bringing in more and more independent movies to fill the screens. And there's a couple of new ones this week. Um, You're going to want to check your local listings because everything varies from region to region it seems and stuff that's opening in one spot one week might not open till another week somewhere else but bill murray and sofia coppola are reunited 17 years after the loss in translation that they made together this time murray plays the father to rashida jones who's having marriage problems in a movie called on the rocks hi dad hey kiddo so dean's going away a lot huh dad raise your hand if that sounds fishy. Maybe he's just not interested in me anymore. Impossible. He should be worshipping the ground you walk on. And if not, sloppy move. I think we should follow him. Can you just act a little less excited about this? This is my life. Uh, and it might be falling apart. On the rocks, we are.
It's at 85% on Rotten Tomatoes, the consensus being that it's not as good as Lost in Translation was, but that Bill Murray is still very charming, so that's a win. The other new movie out this weekend is called The Trial of the Chicago 7. It's written and directed by Aaron Sorkin of West Wing fame, and Wikipedia says, quote, The film follows the Chicago 7, a group of anti-Vietnam War protesters charged with conspiracy and crossing state lines with the intention of inciting riots at the 1968 Democratic National Convention in in Chicago. It's got a great cast, including Sasha Baron Cohen, who's Borat, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, Michael Keaton, Eddie Redmayne, Mark Rylance, and recent Emmy winners Jeremy Strong and Yaya Abdul-Mateen. Here's the weird part, though, Brett. While it is in select theaters now, it is a Netflix movie and will actually be on Netflix on October 16th, just two weeks from now. So I don't really know why you'd want to go to theaters for that. But hey, if you want to Get out and do something. Get off your couch because you've been stuck on it for seven months. That might be something to do. And it's at 91% on Rotten Tomatoes. Again, that one's called The Trial of the Chicago 7. When you went to see The Last Shift, when did you, or how many people were in the theater? Ten. Ten exactly. Oh, that's actually not bad. Yeah, and I think uh, for the theater I was in, that's the limit right now, I believe so. Oh, okay. Well, so there could have potentially been more. Yeah, and I was actually surprised there was that many because, you know, this movie hasn't had any advertising or anything like that. I only I only knew about it because, you know, we go looking to see what's playing, right? So it's not like people are sitting at home thinking, I think that movie's coming out. We've got to go to it. So I, I think, uh, I honestly, I just think that people like Richard Jenkins and saw his face in the trailer or something and decided, hey, that might be worth it. And yeah, it is. Yeah, or maybe people just went to the movies and said, well, let's just go to the movies and see what is playing and uh they went to see that like i'm just looking at one local listing for example i see harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban is making its way back into theaters Uh, the empire strikes back recently made its way back in i see hocus pocus so they're starting to bring some uh older movies back into the fray but we still got tenet spongebob uh the new hinged Uh, is Unhinged still playing as well? It's in some theaters, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. Bill and Ted are still there. The new mutants are still there. So there's a mixed bag now of new and older movies. But hopefully we can see something soon. I'm really bummed. And I get it. I understand why they pushed it yeah. to next May. But Black Widow, I wanted to see. And coming up, actually, in our next segment, <laughs> we're going to tell you about another movie that I know Jeff in particular has been super Excited to see, but they've pushed it back a bunch of times already, and we will not be shocked if they move it again. You are listening to The Couch Potatoes. Welcome back to The Couch Potatoes. I'm Jeff, he's Brad, and time now to talk some James Bond. James Bond. License to kill. I could be speaking to my own reflection. Come on, Bond. Where the hell are you? When you're ready. You're late. A lot of James Bond news lately, including the confirmation that we all knew was coming. When No Time to Die is released, more on that in a minute, it will be the last time we see Daniel Craig as 007. Longtime Bond producer Barbara Broccoli made it official this week, saying, quote, It's a combination of everything his portrayal of the character has been through, and it ties up all the storylines. She went on to call the movie epic and a classic Bond film with a modern twist. 
And Daniel Craig has been saying for a while that he won't be coming back, but he's actually been saying that for years, and he keeps making the movies, so this feels a little more concrete. It'll be Craig's fifth appearance as James Bond following Casino Royale, Quantum of Solace, Skyfall, and Spectre. Craig, of course, is the, I call him the fourth main Bond after Sean Connery, Roger Moore, and Pierce Brosnan. I barely count Timothy Dalton or George Lazenby <laughs> who make up they make up barely 10% of the canon, and you can't count David Niven. He was just in a comedy that was lampooning the character. So it's Craig's one of the main Bonds of all times. And, of course, the natural follow-up question is, who's going to play a Bond next? The smart money is apparently on Tom Hardy. Some bookies have actually stopped taking bets on him because they believe Hardy is now a shoo-in. But hold the phone. Henry Cavill, a.k.a. Superman, told GQ this week he'd jump at the chance to play James Bond. He told another magazine last year that he actually auditioned for Casino Royale, and it came down to him and Craig. I'm sure they'd both be great, but I think I'm actually leaning toward Henry Cavill, even though Tom Hardy has showed himself to be a tremendous actor. But, I mean, Cavill is a proven action guy. He looks more like James Bond, I think, as well. I just I just see him as James Bond easier than I do see Tom Hardy. The Idris Elba rumor from last year, that's a dead end. Elba himself quashed that. Regardless, you know, they have time to figure it out as No Time to Die has not even been released yet. It was supposed to come out in April, of course, but I think it was one of the first blockbusters to move back its opening. Right now, it's scheduled for November, but nothing that was supposed to open in spring that was pushed back to fall has opened except for Tenet. Disney pushed its whole slate back into next year. And at this point, I would be more surprised if Bond does open in November than if it is also pushed back a few more months, Brett. Yeah, if things keep going the way they are, I won't be surprised if they they push it back uh, with the numbers spiking Everywhere, it almost seems like a it's a decision they'll be forced to make. Henry Cavill, I think I like that because he, yeah, there are a few. He is a handsome dude. He is. He's got that square jawline. He's perfect for Superman, and he showed us in that Mission Impossible movie that he's also really great at the action, right? Because most of the action he does in the Superman movie is all CG. We don't really right. get to see him do anything cool himself. So when he rolls up his sleeves and gets into a fisticuff in the bathroom, <laughs> like he wailed oh. on the guy. He did that bath and he took a beating too. And he's not, you know, above that sort of thing. And that's, you sort of want to see James Bond, you know, get kicked around at least a little bit before he saves the day. Yeah. Uh, Tom Hardy though, to be fair, I mean, I, I know we, we've yeah. spoken at uh, length about Tom Hardy not being able to under to understand what he says, but if you recall <laughs> his character in Inception, he had uh, rather delightful and prim and proper British accent in that one. So uh, I'm sure well, he could do it. Yeah, yeah, that's that's the one he would bring to the James Bond table. So I, I would like Tom Hardy in it as well, and he has an intensity that very few actors have. So that could introduce a new sort of take on the James Bond character that could be fun. I just I do to... feel though sorry, I just felt like I don't feel like Tom Hardy wants to nail himself to a role like that where he would have to sign on for at least three movies, I would imagine. Yeah. He seems like he likes to fly around from different thing to different thing and never do the same thing twice. So I would be a little bit more surprised if he wanted in more than I would with Henry Cavill. Yeah, good call. I guess I wonder if he's coming back to do another Venom movie he does need movies to he does need some movies to pay the bills but it's true yeah hey i just wanted to offer a second opinion on the netflix show ratchet do you wanna have fun 
How about a few less? You have been subjected to enough pain. I can show you a good time. But you deserve someone to show you mercy. How different I would be if someone had. So Ratchet is based on Nurse Mildred Ratchet from One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, which came out, what, in the 70s, Jeff? 1975, I believe. Wow. Okay. So this is kind of a an origin story, a prequel, whatever you want to call it, from Ryan Murphy, the guy behind shows like American Horror Story, starring Sarah Paulson, who is pretty much in almost everything he does these days. You watched the first two episodes of Ratchet, yes? I did. And you didn't like them? Uh, I, I only because I don't think it compares to the movie at all. I don't. I think it's... The character of the TV show Ratchet and the character in the movie Ratchet do not appear to be at all connected, and that gave me quite a bit of distress as it's uh, one of my very favorite movies. Yeah, and what what's happened for me is I've taken that and I've applied it to the show, so now I think that's one of the reasons why I am enjoying it, because I'm six episodes in. I tried to finish it this week, but I started watching other stuff that we're actually going to tell you about the next week. The Haunting of Bly Manor is out on Netflix next week, so we'll tell you about or at least I will tell you about that. Jeff's probably not going to watch that because he's a scary Hell kid. Hell no! But uh, I, I haven't seen Cuckoo's Nest in years. I barely remember it, so I'm going into this completely fresh, but I'm also going into it not thinking about about it as being connected to that because it doesn't th- this character shows compassion and ratchet was just pure evil she was so mean so i'm just enjoying it for what it is it's colorful it's kind of daffy like it's all over the place with its storytelling and its tone and some of the the, the performances are over the top and borderline cart cartoonish but you know what i just i'm enjoying it it's not the best thing i've ever seen but i i'm digging it i want to see it to the end and i should point out many women i've spoken to love this show and i think that's important to acknowledge as well because it is a predominantly female cast uh, so i think it's worth at least having a look as long as you don't worry about the fact that it is you know claiming itself to be uh a prequel to Cuckoo's Nest. There is going to be a second season of Ratchet as well, which kind of disappoints me. I was hoping this would be a one-and-done limited series. That's all the time we've got. I'm Brad. He's Jeff. We are the Couch Potatoes. Remember, if it requires getting up off the couch, don't bother. Don't bother.